The scripture reading today is from Jeremiah 3, 6 to 15. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not, and her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. The Lord said to me, Faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you one from a town and two from a clan and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. This ends the reading of the word. As we open ourselves to the theme of this message, I want to open with a couple of questions. And one is, why is it so difficult for us to share challenging truth? Those times when we know the truth of a given situation, we may feel compelled to share it, but we avoid doing so because we don't want to offend someone. We don't want to change the relationship. Maybe we fear that our message will be rejected or not received. On the flip side, we can also be people who, instead of sharing a challenging message, also don't want to hear that message. We don't like to be told when we are wrong, do we? When we open ourselves up, though, to the sharing of truth that is needed in a given situation or the receiving of truth in a given situation, isn't that the impulse or the opportunity to grow and change? It is, but it's hard. Jeremiah speaks into our temptation to do one of two things, either but be what I will call ruinously empathetic, where we're unwilling to share truth with other people because we don't want to offend them, upset the apple cart, we say, or change the nature of our relationship. Or we can, on the flip side, tend to be what I'll call obnoxiously aggressive, In other words, maybe we've become so frustrated by that situation that we haven't spoken into that then by the time we do, we've built up a whole, you know, thing of, of anger and frustration and we become obnoxious about and almost aggressive about the way we share truth. And when we do that, it's often repelled, right? The nature of the way we share that truth becomes an impetus for people to react to it and essentially push back. 
Well, our foundational truth for this morning is this, that every follower of Jesus can grow in their ability to share challenging truth from the example of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah preserves for us an account of the prophetic ministry of Jeremiah, whose personal life and struggles are known to us in greater detail than any other Old Testament prophet. Jeremiah is personal in the way he enters into his ministry and shares his message. Jeremiah was a priest, a member of the household of Hilkiah, and so as a priest, he he had a relationship with God, and he sought to transmit that relationship to people. Interestingly enough, the Lord commanded Jeremiah not to marry or to raise children because of the impending judgment that God was going to bring on the people of Judah. Primarily a prophet of doom, he attracted only a few friends, perhaps because of the nature of his message. Jeremiah's closest companion was his faithful secretary, Baruch, who wrote down Jeremiah's words as the prophet dictated him. Baruch was faithful. He stood by Jeremiah even when his message was often unpopular. What sustained Jeremiah throughout a lifetime of grief and opposition was his undying confidence in God and his promises. So his two focuses essentially was the life and in, in, in his life and ministry were God, his goodness, his claims upon his people, and God's desire to draw his people back into a relationship with himself and his people and their welfare. Jeremiah longed for their restoration and return to God, but he also knew that physically and spiritually they had withdrawn themselves from God and they were awaiting judgment. To enter into the storyline of Jeremiah, we find that he lived and ministered in the days of the kings Josiah, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. These were the last days of the southern kingdom in about a a 40-year period of time. And we know and can learn from Scripture, and many of us have been reading through the message of Jeremiah, if you've been reading through the Bible in the year, that these were dark days. And his message of impending judgment was unpopular. Jeremiah faithfully repeated his warning in diverse ways. Sometimes he spoke that warning. Sometimes he acted it out. One time taking a leather belt and burying it and then unearthing it and showing that it had been ruined, much like the people of God had experienced a ruin as a result of their opposition to God. Jeremiah also advocated surrender to the Babylonians who were about to attack Jerusalem in the southern kingdom of Judah. So he was kind of seen as unpatriotic, like, don't you believe in us as as God's people? Like, God wouldn't allow that to happen. So his unpopular message led often to persecution. At one point, he's thrown into a well where he's oozing down into the mud before he's pulled back out of it. Finally, Jeremiah would be vindicated by God. The message that he shared again and again with his people would be proved true. But it's the way Jeremiah shares that message that stands out to me. Because you see, Jeremiah avoids being passive, where he's unwilling to share God's truth with his people, but nor is he aggressive in doing so in a way that does not reflect love and care for those people. Jeremiah is what we would say in our modern nomenclature, uh, appropriately uh, assertive in his communication. Empowered by God, he wants to share God's truth. But he doesn't do that passively 
where he says it's really of no value, nor does he do it aggressively that would build upon the opposition that was already there. Rather, Jeremiah's purpose in communicating was to communicate needed truth at a needed and important time. As some of you know, my younger son Levi and I are journeying our way through uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy. We're now about halfway through the two towers. For an 11-year-old, uh, Tolkien's sprawling journey adventure tales can, can be kind of boring at times. As I've said, Levi will once in a while say, Is, are they really going to get stuck under another magical tree, Dad? Are they really going to fall for that again? But at the point we are in the story, the days are dark. Middle Earth is start increasingly giving in to a darkness and a pervasive uh, attack from the two towers of Mordor and from Sauron and Saruman, these two evil characters. And at one point, Gandalf the wizard has to come to King Theoden of Rohan. And it says that the days are evil and the days are late and dark. Gandalf walks into Theoden's palace and he finds a rejection or resistance. There's a soothsayer there named Wormtongue who's constantly whispering into Theoden's ears saying, you don't want to hear what this guy has to say. He always brings bad news. He's a prophet of of ill news and a prophet of woe. He always is giving warnings, and they never come true. But in this case, Gandalf has an important message to share. And after an exorcism, exorcism of sorts, Theoden comes to the realization that there's needed action and response to Gandalf's warning. Jeremiah, like Gandalf as a prophet, comes to preach and proclaim a difficult word. His purpose is to give a last appeal from God for his people to turn before the Babylonian captivity would take place. But in Jeremiah's example, he also demonstrates what faithfulness is in leadership, what it's like to step forward and share a challenging message. It also gives us a sense of the emotional tenor of the times. Both God's faithfulness and desire to reclaim his people, the ups and downs of Jeremiah's ministry, and the continual rejection of the people. What Jeremiah shows us is a willingness to be a hero of faith and to share challenging truth even when it was rejected and not received. Clearly, we're meant to sense and feel and react emotionally to the message of Jeremiah. We're meant to commit ourselves to hearing and obeying God's word in contrast to the people of Jeremiah's era. Jeremiah was emotional. If you, if you catch it, this was not just news he was passing on to people uh, objectively or impartially. It was news that he felt passionate about because he knew of the implications for his people. For instance, if we also were to read Lamentations, another writing of Jeremiah, we find it said there at one point that it came to pass that after Israel had been carried away captive and Jeremiah's warnings had come true and Jerusalem made desolate, that Jeremiah sat weeping, lamenting over Jerusalem. Jeremiah pours out his heart concerning the sad situation and it is representative of God's heart and his feelings for his people who had disobeyed him. Jeremiah becomes a living embodiment of the quote from Bob Pierce, the president and founder of World Vision at one time, who said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Let me say that again. 
Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Jeremiah's heart was broken over the impending destruction of Jerusalem. It saddened his heart to proclaim this news because he knew of what was going to occur. But it was also a personal experience because he shared in the stake, in a stake in the, the state of his people. I just want to remind you, when we think about Western Nevada County and its challenges and its strengths, this or they are us. In other words, uh, as we hear Sienna share about bright futures for youth, or we think about kids who are trying to reach through Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the high school, or we connect with kids at an adventure week kind of experience, this is proclaiming God's heart for his kids. They are our kids in this community. When we weep about the state of our community, we need to do that in a personal way that reflects our own concern. And sometimes, like Jeremiah, that leads to a deep level of processing. Sometimes it's simply confusing, isn't it? That so many people have turned away from God, that so many people deny the existence of God when we see his creative beauty all around us. Sometimes it's, it's, it's confusing when we continue to find resistance to his message, when we know that that really is the hope, and Jesus is the hope of the world. Jeremiah had deep processing to do with God in confusing times. But he didn't deny the difficulties, nor did he turn away from God. He continued to bring those concerns before God. And in that, he reflects a tremendous intimacy and transparency with God. In fact, he modeled the importance of sharing intimate lessons and struggles with other people. Jeremiah shared his struggle with God, but he also shared his struggle with other people because he knew he literally could not keep it in. And friends, sometimes, unlike Jeremiah, we do try to keep it in. We're going through a difficult circumstance or trial, or we see difficulties around us, but instead of, instead of identifying with those and being transparent about those struggles, we try to hide them or shelter ourselves from them. A community like this serves as an invitation to be honest about those struggles, to allow God to empower us to care and to serve and to continue to encourage one another. But as Jeremiah illustrates, sometimes that encouragement comes through sharing a difficult word. I think Jeremiah's message throughout his book is something like this. Instead of saying, I told you so, Jeremiah says with a great sobbing heart in this long love letter, I wish I didn't have to tell you so. What he does is combine two amazing qualities, a care for the people he's sharing with personally, but also an ability to challenge directly. And don't we tend to err on one side or the other? In this balance, I think of John 1.14, where it talks about Jesus, the word became flesh, who moved into the neighborhood, and he was full of grace and truth. Unfortunately, instead of the fullness of grace and truth that Jesus ultimately embodies, but here Jeremiah exhibits, we tend to be a little more one or the other, don't we? We tend to think, well, love is about grace and not sharing difficult news or hard truth. Or we think it's about truth and we aggressively proclaim that truth, sometimes to our spouses, and they really love that. No, the truth always needs to be wrapped up in love. In Ephesians 4.15, it talks about speaking the truth in love and then in always 
will grow up into him who is Christ, our head. The only way we're going to grow in relationship to one another is that we're, if we're open and honest to sharing the truth of God's word, but also open and honest and willing to receive that truth. And when we, when the, bay, the way we best receive that truth is when that truth is wrapped up in care. And that challenge comes with directness, but it's wrapped up in love. I know for me, I can often tell the difference. If somebody has constructive criticism that is meant to build me up or encourage me, I can receive that. And I, and I know that it's done with love and a generous face and a willingness to share truth that I need to hear, but doing that in a way that's clearly intended to build up. And many of us can also smell from a mile away when somebody is just wanting to tear us down and is sharing aggressive truth in a way that just seems to be about their agenda rather than about our growth. Jeremiah has a wonderful ability to combine the po- both. He shares God's impending judgment on Jerusalem, but he does that compassionately yet truthfully. He reveals it faithfully over many years. In other words, this wasn't a one-off for Jeremiah, but his sharing of God's impending judgment on Jerusalem was a consistent message that he shared again and again and again. It happened as predicted with aftermath results. What Jeremiah said would occur to Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah did in fact occur. But it wasn't then and I told you so. It was I'm grieving with you as a result. But this truth was also to extend to surrounding nations so as to reveal God's plans and designs. In other words, God's judgment of Jerusalem and Judah wasn't just for them, it was to announce and exhibit God's authority over that given situation. Why is it important? If we were to read 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, we could get the information of what was happening during that season of the southern kingdom in the last 40 years, but it's only through Jeremiah that we really enter into the heart of God for his people and the emotions and the agony, the hardships and the sorrow that are exhibited by Jeremiah as a result. In fact, Jeremiah, and we could say, is not the Sergeant Friday or the, the uh, Sergeant Friday of the operation where he's just asking for the truth and the facts. You remember him? Just the facts, ma'am. No. This is the facts, but also the emotions behind it. This is empathy in terms of identifying information, but also feelings. Jeremiah then becomes a hero of faith with a hard word to preach from God for Israel and for Judah. And I just want to point to those important things. His message was from God. Jeremiah was conscious of his call from the Lord to be a prophet. And as such, he proclaimed words that were first spoken first by God himself and therefore were certain of fulfillment. Jeremiah had contempt for false prophets who proclaimed that things would be good when they weren't. Sometimes false prophets can enter into our own lives when they try to sort of soothe our, soothe our emotions with nice phrases and phraseology but doesn't deal with the certainty of the situation. For instance, I may say to my wife, it's okay, and her quick response is, it's not okay. Don't give me that sort of just trying to soothe my emotions. I actually feel this strongly and I need you to understand that I feel this strongly. As a husband, it's much better as I have learned over the years to understand and receive her emotions 
and identify with those and then help come alongside her to communicate those difficult emotions to God. Jeremiah had a consistent anguish of spirit. He actually became referred to as the weeping prophet because he so often shared his messages with tears. But he had an understanding of his divine call and commission, and that is what consistently strengthened and undergird him, undergirded him so that he was fearless in his service to God. You see, it's only with a deep understanding of our acceptance from God and our belonging to him that we are willing to share hard truth with other people. But when our identity is rooted in God and his acceptance of us, we can be open and honest in relationship with other people. And we can also be open and honest about the feedback that we need to receive. If I know that I'm loved by God unequivocally, then when you come and share that hard truth with me, I can receive it in the context of knowing I'm loved by God. And that's not a question in this conversation. Jeremiah was so rooted in his love for God that he could enter into this unhappy task of announcing the destruction of the kingdom of Judah. It was Jeremiah's commission to to lodge God's indictment against his people and proclaim the end of the era. But he could do it because he knew that God ultimately loved and valued him and ultimately loved and valued his people. Because his hard message would not be the end of the story. What we find for the people of Judah is that there would be a defined period of judgment, a 70-year period of exile in Babylon. But even as God communicated his hard truth through Jeremiah, he also communicated that there would be a reconciliation and there would be a return from, for the people. That one day they would be drawn back from Babylon and be restored as the people of God in the place that they were familiar with in Jerusalem. As a result of Jeremiah's sense of his understanding of God's call, he was able to work through the opposition that he encountered, perhaps more than any Old Testament prophet. Because he preached an unpopular message, the resistance that he drew from his people enabled him ultimately to sink down more and more deeply into the love and fellowship of God. He was often alone and isolated in that truth. In those times when we feel alone and isolated and the only one who's willing to share truth in a given situation, we can know that we have a kindred spirit in Jeremiah. And that like Jeremiah, we can know and trust that ultimately God never leaves us or forsakes us. He's promised to be with us and he will walk through us and with us through those hard times of sharing challenging truth. Again, this can be very countercultural. I like uh, Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor, which talks about the fact that it's brutally hard to tell people when they're screwing up. And it's also brutally hard to hear it when we are screwing up. But if we don't speak the truth in love, what often happens is we begin to feel resentment and then anger. You may even start to avoid talking to a person at all. In God's case, though, through Jeremiah, he's willing to share the hard truth with his people because he loves them enough to do so and desires their growth rather than giving them over to their own sinful desires and behaviors. In God's love and mercy, he is willing to share the truth that needs to be heard through Jeremiah. This is never easy, friends. 
But when we care for other people personally and we know we are cared for, and when we're willing to communicate truth in, in the, wrapped up in love, there can be the opportunity to respond and grow as a result. But again, the extremes are often what seems to be winning out in our society. An extreme of ruinous empathy where we're not willing to share truth and an extreme of aggression and anger in the way we share truth. We see that on social media all the time. Nowadays, instead of being able to communicate truth and love and work through differences face-to-face, people instead jump on social media and seem shielded through that separation from face-to-face communication, seem willing to throw uh, grenades in often. (laughs) And there's often explosive dialogue then that takes place. Instead, there needs to be a commitment to relationship and growth, a balance of grace and truth. And that is what Jeremiah exhibits. One of my favorite movies is the 1980 film uh, Miracle about the U.S. hockey team that defeated uh, the Russians in Lake Placid, New York. And and the character there, uh, the Herb Brooks character, is demonstrative in the way he relates to his players. I wouldn't want to be one of those players. (laughs) They're skating lines. they're, They're pushed again and again and again. But over the course of the film... Uh, What we see in Kurt Russell's portrayal of Herb Brooks is an an intense engagement with his players who he wants to improve and help grow, but also an exceeding love for them when the end is, is shown. He has a commitment to them, to grow them and mature them. He's not unwilling to share hard truth with them and cause them to work hard, but he also is clear about his commitment to them. And that is the way God seeks to relate to us through Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a truth teller, but he's also somebody who does that in love. The truth is, he describes Israel in Judah in rather emphatic terms. He says that Israel is faithless and Judah unfaithful. He calls them on worshiping other gods. He says they've committed spiritual adultery. They've turned away from God. And and God has essentially divorced the northern kingdom of Israel. He's separated himself because of their turning away from him. It says that Judah had no fear. Instead of a godly fear, they had no fear in their relationship with God. And losing that fear, they had entered into immorality, had defiled the land, and ultimately exhibited adultery. The relationship that God sought with his people was communicated in language of marriage. That God sought to be the husband of his wife, but his wife had not been faithful to him in return. The continued cries to return to me with your whole heart. God's passionate about their relationship, wants to do life with them, wants to be in an intimate, loving relationship with his people. But again and again, we find the people of God turning away from that marriage covenantal relationship with God. And ultimately, God separates himself for a time. It says that they worship under every hill and under every spreading tree. In other words, the people had exhibited a a spiritual adultery where they were worshiping other gods of, of stone and of wood, we are told. To have no fear meant that they then entered into an immoral life where they stopped living out God's commands and stopped allowing God to lead them and guide them. 
Jeremiah's hard word that described Israel and Judah also pointed to their need for response to God. The continued phrase in Jeremiah is, return with all your heart. In fact, Jeremiah calls them on their superficial revival that they had experienced under King Josiah. If you remember, Josiah had found the law in the temple, kind of in one of the back rooms of the temple, and had brought the law out and had it read. And there was a a revival of sorts in Judah and a return to God. But unfortunately, what we find in Jeremiah's message is that while he was supportive of that revival that occurred under Josiah, he also knew that it wouldn't last, and ultimately, it didn't. The word return then, Hebrew, shuv, is meant to communicate the need to turn back to God, to turn away from the direction they were going in, and to return to renewed relationship with God. He says, be faithful, be obedient. In other words, act as if what is true is, is known to you to be true. And look at your brothers and sisters. Essentially, the comparison of the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah are meant to encourage one another in a return and a, and a repentance. Looking at the condition of Israel, Judah should have said, I need to turn back to God or else that's what I'm going to experience. And similarly, in our context, our community is meant to be a community of encouragement where as people turn back and return to God and his will and his way, that's meant to inspire or encourage us. This last week, Josh was down at a running camp in San Diego, and he got to run with some of the best juniors, he's about to be a junior, in the state. If you looked up their rankings, they're, they're equal to one another. They run about the same mile time or two-mile time and these kinds of things. And over the course of the week, the week where these crazy guys are running about 50 miles a week, they're encouraged by one another and their passion for their sport and getting stronger and getting better. In a similar way, Jeremiah is saying, look at your your brothers and your sisters. Look at your community. See the passion at which they're following God or returning to God and allow that to inspire you towards action. All this, Jeremiah's message is caught up in who God is. The challenging message Jeremiah shares for Judah and Israel The call to act and return in response to God is all caught up in the identity and nature of God. We're told in the passage, he is merciful. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in steadfast love. If we trust in the grace and mercy of God that Jeremiah communicates, We know that it is never the end, that God has plans and designs to to bring us back to him and that there is still time. Some of us may feel like later in life, like, oh, I'm never gonna change. It's too late. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ communicated ahead of his time through Jeremiah is because of who God is and his faithfulness and his love and his commitment to you, friends, it is never too late to turn back to him. 
It says he will not be angry forever. God does express judgment and he is angry when we turn away from him and turn away into our sin. But that anger says only lasts a night. In other words, that anger is meant to point us back to restoration. And when we experience God's judgment, it's that loving discipline that a good parent's going to express to a child to help grow them up and mold them and shape them into God's image. God says that he is our husband. He is utterly committed to our welfare. He's committed faithfully in covenant relationship with us. He does not give up on us. His covenant, hesed in the Hebrew, love, is a covenant commitment that is binding and which will hold true. It says that he chooses you. God chooses you. Friends, when was the last time you reminded yourself or heard that word? that you are chosen by God. You were picked. Those of us who got picked last when picking teams in elementary school games, those who feel like we were rejected by somebody else, were not received, God says, I choose you. Will you choose to follow me? Will you choose to be in relationship with me? To encourage us, it says that he will give us shepherds after his own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Uh, broken and flawed as I am, I get the unique privilege of being one of those for you, as does Pastor Greg, as do your elders, as do your deacons. People called to remind you of who God is, to remind you of the invitation to continue to return to him, to remind you that God promises to stick with you and that he is committed in a love relationship with you and that he is so in love with you that he will not let you go. And even in times where he is sharing difficult truth with you, like he did through Jeremiah for the people of Israel, it is always for your good and always ultimately for your benefit and for your growth. The question is, will you trust him? To get this message, we can ask ourselves two questions. What kind of loyalty does God want from us? Why does God choose an analogy from marriage to portray Israel's sin? He wants loving commitment to us and from us like we would offer in a good marriage, like we would offer to one who is equally committed to us and sees our worth and value and accepts us and welcomes us even in our ugliness and even on our difficult days. And to apply this message, we can ask ourselves, in what practical ways can you evaluate your loyalty to the Lord this week? Maybe that's a question of whether you've spent time with him in quiet. Whether that is showing up here in worship, but also that loyalty could be shown to God by going and expressing that difficult truth to somebody else, always doing so in love and always doing so with the desire to see their growth and maturity. What is one step that you can take to seek out new areas of your life that God may want to change? In other words, don't just be the person who's quick to share the truth with somebody else. Also be willing to receive it and open yourself to it. Trust in other people's good intent. That person in your growth group that's willing to share hard truth with you may just be the conduit or avenue that God is using that week to speak to you. Perhaps the ultimate image of Jeremiah is in Jeremiah 18 where he's called by God to go down to the potter's house. And there in the potter's house, he sees the potter seeking to to build a clay jar, but it becomes flawed. 
Instead of giving up on that clay jar, we're told that the potter works with the clay and builds and makes a different kind of jar, different from perhaps what he originally intended, but useful nonetheless. And the Lord says through Jeremiah, don't you think I can work with Israel that way? Don't you think I can mold God's people into something good, even if they're imperfect? Friends, don't you think God wants to do that with you? And perhaps wants to use you to help that process of somebody else. We are much like uh, broken pots. (laughs) We, We have our flaws and our failures. But the good news is God doesn't throw us away. God doesn't give up on us. He's committed to mold us and shape us into something good. And ultimately into something beautiful. And he uses people like Jeremiah to do it. Even as hard as it is. So my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we will continually be truth tellers, but also continue to be open to share and receive that truth from God through his servants as well. Amen. God, we just thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us, God. And as we come together this morning to worship you, God, we just keep these things in mind. That you love us so much. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood and your sacrifice. Oh, God. And everything you do for us, God. Thank you. We can go to your word to find comfort. God, we love you. Yes, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. How we love you so. Let's sing that together. Yes, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you, how we love you so. Yes, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. How we love you. We love you so. 
We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.